0: Okay. Today's date is September 25th, 2022. We are reading from the big book of AA, page 102, starting with the paragraph at the end of the page, many of us keep liquor through to the end of the chapter. Lori will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Amy G. Hey family, Lori, compulsive overeater. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends provided they are not alcoholic. Some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family in the light of their own circumstances ought to decide for themselves. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds that we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved, had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Someday, we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use. Our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Thank you very much. And our uh, speaker today will be Amy G.
1: sorry, I'm muted. (laughs) Hi everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. So awesome to be here. What an honor and a privilege to be able to share and, you know, talk a little bit about the big book and Kim, thank you so much for asking me three times the charm. Like you said, you've been very patient with life on life's turn with my schedule. So I'm so grateful to be able to be here. Whenever I share, it keeps me green and grateful, you know what I mean? So I'm so happy to be here. So just real quick, I wanted to take a few minutes to qualify, just to let you all know that I totally belong here. Um, I came into OA in March of 1983, and I became recovered in December of 87. I like to say December 7th was Pearl, is Pearl Harbor Day. And uh, the ships were sunk, and so was I when it came to this disease of compulsive eating. I was, as they call the three Ds of the disease, dying, desperate, and doomed, I came to this program. The other three Ds of active addiction, by the way, is denial, delusion, and defiance, and I had that in spades. And um, I finally surrendered to this progr- program in '7 in 1987, December of '87, and I've been recovered since that time. And when I mean recovered, I mean it's the definition of abstinence. I didn't make it up. OA says it's uh, refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight, physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. And I'm grateful to say that is the case for me. Not that I'm all that. As a matter of fact, I am anything but all that. Uh, My sponsor used to always say the one that got up earliest this morning is the one who has the most abstinence because yes, we only have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And I know for me, without working this program, without being active in these 12 steps, I would would be back into crazy behaviors and into the food in a heartbeat so it's just a daily pr- reprieve how free do i want to be today from the food and how sane do i want to be today inside my head right because for me compulsive eating was my answer to life and the problem was me and that's what we're going to address and what they're talking about in that last paragraph today Uh, My top weight was 170, but like I said, denial, delusion, and defiance, I just stopped getting on the scale for probably another 15 or 20, so pushing about 200 pounds. Uh, My lowest weight is an anorexic. I've run the full gambit of this disease. I am a bottle in the bag, living underneath the bridge, compulsive eater. Uh, My lowest weight, 102. I definitely know that number. Driving, you know, in the summer with the heat on in the car with a down jacket, that kind of anorexic. Because my normal weight is about thirty-five pounds more than that. And then, by far, the worst manifestation of my illness was my bulimia—binging and purging ten and twelve times a day. You know what I thought was a magic trick? Because of course I bought the myth the world sells you that thin as well, right? And if you just meet this magic number on the scale, your life is going to come together like a freaking fairy tale, you know? And um, So I thought that was the magic trick to be able to eat whatever I want and not get thin. But this disease, as they say, cunning, baffling, and powerful. I love slogans. You'll probably hear a lot of them today, you know, cunning, baffling and powerful. This, um, this this bulimia, it became a way to just keep binging and purging, right? So before I was bulimic, I could eat till I couldn't get like another bite in here, right? And then I'd pass out on the couch in front of the TV. But with the bulimia, it allowed me to purge and then keep eating. So what used to be a couple hours of a binge would be 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours to the point of my freshman year in college where I was failing out of school and binging and purging around the clock in my dorm room in a garbage bag, in a trash can, in my dorm room um, for like 24, 48 hours and then sneaking out in the middle of the night to dump the garbage bag in the big garbage bins. So that's where this disease took me just to give you all a clue that I totally belong here. And and uh, so grateful that my life is not like that you know, today. And I do believe that this illness is what the big book says, you know, take out alcoholism and um, alcoholic and put compulsive eater and compulsive eating, you describe me perfectly and this disease as I see it and as the big book describes it is a twofold illness, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. I know for me that when I put sugar and for me also high fat flour and volume into my body, I react like an alcoholic. I have an allergic reaction, which for me that allergic reaction is not hives or you know throat closing. It is a phenomenon of craving for more. I can't stop. Like an alcoholic, I just cannot stop once I put those substances into my system. So I, be- I believe firmly in a definition of abstinence for me. The big book talks about entire abstinence in the doc op. You know, I don't work my way through the steps and then boom, find myself abstinent at the end of 12th step, right? It doesn't talk about that. It talks about entire abstinence first. So I believe that we all, or for myself, I have to have a definition of what is abstinent and what is not. And for everyone, that can be a different thing. But for me, there has to be a line in the sand because I, you know, the saying is you can put the plug in the jug for the alcoholic, but for the compulsive eater, I need to know what jug to put the plug in, right? I need to know what my triggers are. I need to know what my compulsive behaviors, my compulsive food behaviors are, and I need a firm line in the sand. But that only addresses the allergy, folks. That only addresses the physical allergy. The greater aspect is the mental obsession. And, um, for me, if, if I knew it's just as simple as saying, if I knew that these were things were a problem, why is it? I keep going back to them, even though it causes me hell and torture, you know, I hated myself. I've broken the knuckles in my hands twice, punching bed frames, and then looking at myself in the mirror and hating myself so much that I punched the mirror stitches and broke a couple knuckles. That's what this disease does because I didn't understand why willpower Couldn't do it. I mean, I spent almost five years in Overeaters Anonymous not being able to get it. And I couldn't understand why. Okay, I admit I'm a compulsive eater, right? But why is it then that I'm still eating? Like I wasn't grasping the mental obsession. I wasn't working the steps in totality. My one of my favorite quotes is on page 59 and how it works. You know, we stood at the turning point. You know, we asked for his care with complete abandon. These are the steps we work with complete abandon. If I want a soda and it's a dollar twenty-five, I can put in up to a dollar twenty-four. But if I don't put in the entire dollar twenty-five, I am not getting the soda. For me, this is an all-in program. So, you know, this, that's my qualification. I am grateful to say that today I'm abstinent. I am recovered. I work these 12 steps on a regular basis. I work the tools as well. They're very important to me. You know, I can be stark raving abstinent on the tools, but I can't work the steps without the tools. So for me, this is a all in program because if I don't do that, I can't address the physical allergy and the mental obsession, particularly the mental obsession. The big book talks about a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And that's what I need. I need Access to a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And I need to be able to change in order to do that. There's so much more to this disease than what meets the mouth, if you will. I need to put down the food and then get on to the business of figuring out what's wrong with me. So that's my quick qualification there. Felt like I was talking a hundred miles an hour because there's so much I want to get in. And 20 minutes always goes so fast. So anyways, um Many of us keep liquors in our home. The first paragraph, you know, Carrie Green recruits through a hangover. And, you know, what this reminds me of is this idea of neutrality with food. And once recovered and having that neutrality, having worked through the steps, you know, for me, it's a matter of personal preference as far as, you know, I, have, I had kids, you know, I'm empty nester now, but I have a husband who is not an addict. So it, it sort of is up to me as far as what bothers me and what doesn't. But I will say, If there isn't neutrality yet and I'm working with a newcomer, for example, and I'm a sponsor and there's an issue, I'm not going to like throw them into the flames of just saying, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You can have all sorts of stuff around the house. You know, we address those issues on an individual basis. And sometimes it's as simple as saying simple things like, you know, I I can say that what a sponsor said to me, if something's bothering you, you know, you can put a paper towel over it so you don't have to look at it all the time. I'm like, whoa, newsflash, you know. I work with the person to figure out and we use the tools a lot in early recovery as far as defining what is neutrality for them. And now it doesn't bother me at all. But what is going what am I going to do to help the newcomer while they're working towards getting that neutrality with food? having that spiritual experience that allows them get to the point where food does not call them anymore, because that is the goal is to get to the point where we have that neutrality with food. We all just, you all just read the promises about that, you know, that we have ceased fighting food has become a non-issue for us. And so that is something that I would work on. That's kind of what that paragraph reminded me of, you know, also the fact that we can go anywhere in fit spiritual condition, um, I still, after many decades in this program, recovered, I'm still very humble about situations where I don't know if I'm going to be neutral emotionally, right, where I'm going to go into a situation with family members, extended family, where I have no hesitation picking up the phone going, I'm feeling really anxious about this situation and I need need you to help me get emotionally neutral because I'm not feeling that right now you know or maybe it's about something about a 10th step when i'm not feeling emotionally neutral it's like i'm going to work through on a 10th step so to me this applies to newcomer all the way through to recovered as far as this neutrality with food or emotionally emotional neutrality um, and then this idea of we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone every alcoholic looks for the spirit among us immensely and is relieved to find we are not witch burners so What this paragraph reminded me of is the 08 preamble, actually, you know, where it talks about Tradition 5 and Tradition 10. Tradition 5 is our primary purpose, is to carry the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And Tradition 10 is that we take no position on outside issues. I mean, the bottom line is that we're up against, or I would just say we all know, that there's a billion-dollar weight loss industry out there, billions of dollars, right? It's not my job to take that on. It's not my job to even bring that into a meeting. It's not my job to do that. My job is to keep the primary focus, the primary focus, which is recovery from compulsive eating and carrying the message to the still suffering compulsive eater. If I keep those traditions going at a meeting or when I'm watching you know, a weight loss commercial or whatever, I realize I don't need to take on that fight. Remember, we just read, we cease fighting anyone or anything. My job is not to take them on. My job is to carry them to the For me, it's just that simple. Those traditions, I've done a big study recently going through the 12 traditions. And the 12 traditions are incredibly powerful for me in my life and in my community and in my family and in my relationship. I kind of like to live the traditions in my family. As a matter of fact, it's it's a great way to try to live our lives. They say the steps are for keeping us from committing um, what is it, committing suicide and the traditions are for help us keep committing homicide, right? So for me, it's it's all about keeping the primary purpose, the primary purpose. And then of course, this idea of hoping that the public would some way, well, let me read it here. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. You know, I can't take on a weight loss industry, but I can help let it be known that there's another option out there for the true compulsive eater. And I can do that by being recovered and carrying the message in these meetings. But I also can take any myriad of the wonderful pamphlets and Overeaters Anonymous that they have and take them with me to a primary care doctor. I can be open and honest about what it is that helped me from my eating disorders. They may not understand compulsive eater, but I can say other words. I can be able to get out there. And for me, it's a matter of watching my ego, not being fearful of expressing my experience, strength and hope to someone who is a non, non-eater, non right? And going out there to the public. I can break my own anonymity at any time. So I am welcome to do that. And I feel like it's important. And part of my job is to carry the mess, to be able to have it available for a newcomer who, who may not, you know, we always think, we're going to find the newcomer in an OA room, right? Or we're going to be able to, they can just search online and find us. But y'all would be surprised. I did a couple of um, Google searches and I did some on Safari and Mozilla. And Overeaters was not the first thing that came up when I said, can I stop eating? I can't stop eating, right? So I feel like any little thing that I can do to get the message out there is also important. So anyways, that's my little podium I'll get off on that one but I'm always like have a pamphlet with you take it with you to the doctor carry your big book to your meeting right if your meeting isn't strong and you don't like what's going on in your meeting then take your big book to the meeting and let the big book talk about it you know talk about the steps right you know you may be the only big book that someone else sees right and to me the instructions in this manual I won't even call it manual this textbook is how I recover uh these 12 steps um and then, of course, the end question here, I mean, the end paragraph here, which is in italics, which is obviously very important. How much time do I have left, Darcy? Five minutes. Okay. So after all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a simple a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything we have to. Um, It's funny, I was laughing the other day because I was listening to a podcast and he was saying, you know, what if step one, you know, God forbid, nobody beat me up when I say this, but what if step one was to say, you know, admitted that I was powerless over my life and that my food became unmanageable? You know, of course, none of us would really come, right? Because food brought us here, brought me here, I can tell you that. But the realization was, is that my eating as I said earlier, was only my answer to life. The problem was me, right? The problem was what was going on inside of my head. To me, Bill describes it perfectly on page 17 in his stories. I got a drink in speculation. I was to forge a weapon that would turn turn around like a boomerang and shred me to ribbons. And that's exactly the way I feel like I dealt with my life. I created a way like, I don't know about you all, but I, I like looked around when I was younger and I thought, how did everyone else get the instruction manual to life? And, and I didn't. Like, why is it that everyone looks so comfortable in their skin, living in their skin? And I, I didn't, right? I didn't understand what was going on inside of me. And I was selfish, self-centered, immature. And I created a way to cope with life. I had all sorts of weird, weird ideas that I just sort of made up as I went along. And they turned around and killed me just about killed me. Because when life didn't go the way that I wanted and the way I thought my instruction manual was supposed to go, then I needed a way to cope. The big book describes it. Why do we eat? Why do we drink? Because we're restless, irritable, and discontent. And I'm only feeling better when I get that sense of ease and comfort. Well, of course, the way I was living my life was crazy. Like I had sorts of, all sorts of old ideas. You know, like life is supposed to be fair, thin as well. Control the world to feel safe, right? Manipulate, be passive aggressive. It doesn't matter as long as you get it done. Willpower, that's it. All it takes is a little willpower. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You could do anything you put your mind to. That was my family motto. All those old ideas. And what happened when I finally surrendered to this program and stopped fighting. And oh, by the way, it is a we program, but only me, myself, and I can choose to surrender to this program. That's a choice only I can make. And when I make that choice to surrender, that means I'm going to surrender, stop fighting, and work this program, and I'm going to take action. And when I finally did that in 87, almost five years later, I was willing to take action. And through the process of working those 12 steps, I started to understand what was going on inside me, the ism of the alcoholism and the compulsive eater. And that I needed to get to work on that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery because me, myself and I could not fix me. My best thinking kept getting me standing in front of a refrigerator, five bites into a binge going, how the hell did I get here?
0: With all my knowledge,
1: with all my willpower. Is that five? Two minutes. Okay, two minutes. So I kept thinking, so I finally surrendered. And through the inventory work, so there's another great saying that I love is that steps one through three, we get to know God. Steps four through seven, we get to know ourselves. eight and nine, others. and then 10, 11 and 12 continue to get to go continue to get to know God, ourself, and others. And through the process of working that inventory step, I started to understand literally what made me tick. What was the springboard? for that mental obsession, because that's what starts it, starts it all. You know, the mental obsession drove me to the food and the physical allergy kept me there in this vicious, vicious and horrific cycle. So what was underneath that mental obsession? What triggered the mental obsession that said, oh, it's okay that I start on Monday, right? It's okay. This is carob covered peanuts instead of chocolate covered peanuts. I mean, really? the insanity of it all, I could go on and on. And I know you all would understand, right? I see nodding heads. So I am so grateful that the inventory, not only helped me to get to know myself, but it also helped me to understand that I needed a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God today. My first sponsor said, I don't care if you think it's Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it isn't you, and it's greater than you. And I got, I got that. And now through the process of working the steps, my higher power has also evolved. So not only do I understand me now, and I'm equipped to understand me and continue to grow by knowing me, I am also have access to a power greater than myself. And that's what I've been looking for all along, y'all, is that instruction manual. And now I have it. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would ever have a time where food did not call to me, whether I was eating it or not. And now I'm not only free of that, I now have the power to live, um, you know, live life in a different way. And I'm just going to wrap up with a favorite quote from one of the stories in in the big book that I love. It's in the third edition. It's called Me, an Alcoholic. And it says, here I found an ingredient that had been lacking in any other effort I had made to save myself. Here was power. Here was power to live to the end of the day. Any given day, power to have courage to face the next day, power to have friends, power to help people, power to be sane, power to stay sober. Moreover, I am deeply convinced that so long as I continue to strive in my bumbling way toward the principles I first encountered in the earlier chapters of this book, this remarkable power will continue to flow through me. What is this power? With my AA friends, all I can say is that it's a power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much.